Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graeme Young and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon to discuss all the latest from Celtic Park. On the pod today, Odson Edwards' red hot form analyse, his five-team circle around the Celtic hitman after his impressive run with the French under-21 side. We profile Nick Hammond, Celtic's new head of operations and the big recruitment drives that faces him in his new post. And they also return to action for Celtic against Ross County at the weekend and the lessons they must learn after their defeat to Livingston before the break. And we also look at the summer signing Celtic have made as we rate them after the first two months of action. Michael, how are you? I'm absolutely delighted that the international break is coming to a, an end. It's been a, a long fortnight. Yep. And the night is darkest before dawn. Exactly, that's um, a good way of putting it. We're, we're back, thank God. Thank goodness we're back. So for the Scotland national team, it's been... It was a tough couple of weeks. Oh, move on. Let's not, not go there. But for other Celtic players, especially Odson Edward, his stocks only continue to rise after a stirring couple of games for the France under-21 side. Five goals in two games. And it's caught the attention of a host of top European sides. Five teams are keeping a close eyes. He needed a hat-trick against Slovakia. This is really starting to, he's starting to emerge now, isn't he? He's ah, a yeah. name to be reckoned with in European mean, football. Five, it's five that we can't know about, uh, or the French uh, people know about, but I, I imagine they'll be far more than that interested. Listen, he's popped up on the, kind of, the radar for a lot of teams in recent years. Um, it's funny, speaking to people in France yesterday, it, it's quite funny, because obviously you think he's got nine goals in four games for France, 21s. So you're ask, asking the French guys, there must be a lot of buzz about him in, in France, and they're, they're saying, well... Not really, because this is what he does. He's been doing this for the French youth teams right the way through. Uh, he top scorer at the the Euros under seventeen Euros a few years ago. Um, so he's a, he's a prolific goal scorer for the French youth sides. France have got quite a lot of talented strikers in the top team, so I don't think there's discussions about him pushing towards that just yet. But what he is doing is he's he's taking his form in Scotland and doing it on a on a, on a level that that does force teams to take note because the France production line of players is phenomenal at the moment. And teams across Europe are watching them anyway, and he's the one that's standing out for them. So he's he's now put himself firmly in the frame across the continent. I think he is one of the the, the hottest young talents in, in in Europe. I think he's almost helped as well by the fact he's he's fallen a similar path to Mr Dembele. I think people see him top scorer in France and think this is the next the next one coming through. Um, so he is um, he's helped by association a wee bit, but I think he's his own player. And I think some people even think that he could even kick on again and, and maybe even go further than Dembele who's now been linked with big money moves to, to England um, Do you think he could leapfrog Dembele in the fact Dembele's under 21 career came to the end in the summer do you think there's a chance that Edouard could get a senior cap for France before Dembele? No, no I think I think Dembele is different class at this point in time um, and in the immediate future I think Dembele is going to be one of the best in the business um, as he said he would be <laughs> he didn't talk for a lot when he was here but he did always say he fancied himself being one of the best in the world and I think he will I think he'll get a, a, a mega move somewhere and I think he'll do well he's um, I think he's got all, all the kind of tools I think, I think Dembele's a more maybe an own natural number nine as, as, as such I think he's um, a great man for attacking the front and back posts and checking his runs and all I think he's got all that now mm-hmm. um, Edwards is, a, is coming behind him in terms of development but I think he's he's getting there He's put a lot more into his game now, uh, Odson Edward, and he is a, a real prospect. I think there's more to come from him. I don't think he's finished the article yet. Um, but I think Celtic should maybe enjoy him while, he, while he's here because he, he is destined to go somewhere and probably somewhere big, I think. And one of the key points for uh, 
your back page story, uh, Mick, was the fact that Celtic won't entertain any January bids. Well, that's listen. That's that's the party line that see a bit like Dembele was as well. Give, give us a season, and we'll see what they are. Um, listen, there's no Edward doesn't give him any any suggestion that he's he's wanting out. Um, but there is a like, natural cycle to these things. I think Brendan Rodgers would always say it was a two year kind of cycle um, with these kind of players. Um, but there's not he's not agitating to go. He seems pretty content where he is. He's, he's doing well. He's developing. I think he knows he's still got a bit to go yet. Um, and Celtic will want him. I mean, this season especially, uh, he's vital. They can't. They just cannot contemplate getting rid of him or selling him. Sorry, in January. Um, but listen, it's football. If something ridiculous comes in in January, then it's, it's going to make people take note. Um, Celtic have showed they can they can resist. They've got money in the bank, so they don't think they'll blink. Um, they held firm over Kieran Tierney. Um, held firm with Dembele until it got to a point where they just couldn't anymore. I don't think that scenario will unfold again in January. I think there's, there's certain assurances are on both sides that that won't happen. Um, but listen, you can't, you can never say never in football. It's like pure, one of the old cliches that everyone dusts down because yeah. um, uh, money does money does talk. But I think I think he is content to see the season and vice versa and see where they are next summer. But if his stock continues to rise the way it is, listen, it's going to be something in the summer. There's going to be some sort of um, for a record fee. 25 plus I think I think you're looking at that level it's a different ball game isn't it when strikers get involved like Tierney for that yeah. kind of money's a lot uh, but strikers they're worth their weight in gold obviously the amount of the way they can change a game and that's what Edward specialises in he's, he's a big game hunter he scores in the games that he really is. matter his goals I think his goals are a bit of it but I don't think it's just goals either I think uh, you look at Celtic this season as well they've spread the goals across the team I mean, Ryan Kirsty getting uh, double figures James Forrest scoring a lot of goals Um I think the way he, the way he can he can play and link up play and drop deep and, and pull it wide and all that stuff he is important in terms of the way modern teams play football. I think he is the kind of an all round. Listen, if he could head the ball, if he could if he could work in, if he could get. Uh, but the wee one nodded in against. He did. Uh, he did. But if he um, if he could do a bit, a bit of the kind of Joe Jordan about him, he could stick another zero in the in the price tag. But um, but that'll come as well. Um, but no, I think there's his all round game. I think is impressive, and I think that'll that will have teams looking at him all over the place all over the continent because he is a complete player or I think he will be a complete player that's a fair point he's obviously a complete player is what you say a vast array of talents but out of the five teams mentioned three of them Italian one German one French where, where do you see his next move where do you think he'd be most likely to go to I don't think majority teams of France can afford him I think Lyon um, I think Marseille would be too rich for Marseille Monaco I think looked at him in the summer but he's scared off with the price tag um, Ren's an interesting one I mean there was a wee bit of whispers about Ren actually because they've got a few quid behind them now um, but again you're talking 25 million north of 25 million quid that might be too much for France so then you're looking, looking further afield Italian teams again that, that kind of fee kind of scares a few of them as well um, outside kind of Juventus so uh, what about going straight down to England I think that I, I think that might be the, the I think that is more more, more than likely I think that it was straight to England um, I know Dembele went to France for, for 20 million but that was an upper end of, of their kind of uh, expenditure as well so uh, obviously PSG are different pay kettle of fish but he's not going to go back to PSG um, anytime soon I would imagine they're a different kind of market um, so yeah I could see I could see English club clubs they were looking at them as well um, and listen 25 million to English teams for a striker that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's shrapnel for them now um, so that that, that is a definite possibility. 
So elsewhere takes us on nicely to the fact uh, Nick Hammond, who answered Celtic's recruitment SOS in the summer by coming in on a temporary basis, uh, was appointed the club's uh, head of op- football operations on Wednesday. Now that's a slightly different title to Lee Conjunton. Yeah. Just head of recruit sounds a more, a more mighty title, so to speak. Yeah. Is that is Nick Hammond get a bigger role at Celtic than Lee Conjunton had? It looks that way. I mean, I think he, he was brought in on a kind of loan deal. <laughs> he was brought in a kind of consultancy role over the summer to help out um, in the short term in terms of getting in signings and also to, to conduct a kind of overview, um, reassessment of the entire structure of the club. I think this has been something that's been looked at for a while. I think Peter Lowell has been keen to examine the kind of director of football role and having someone in there. Um, Peter's been doing it for a long time. Um, it's I think maybe someone in there taking a help out in that side of things, uh, i.e. kind of contract negotiations and all that stuff and, and mm-hmm. all the kind of other bits and bobs that, that Peter does as well as... Is Hammond someone that maybe the club have been aware of maybe for a while? I or? think so. I think so. Speaking to, to Neil Lennon about him, I think he's known him for years. I mean, he did, did something similar at Reading for about 15 years. Yeah, before did, West Brom. Uh, West Brom, a couple of years at West Brom as technical director. Or these titles all keep changing, don't they? Um, so he's done it for a long time. Um He's well known in, in, in the kind of game. Um, it's also, I think, crucially, a, a, his main... Obviously, look at the whole structure of the club. I mean, I think eventually he'll, he'll, he'll deal with every kind of facet of it, um, from the kind of training ground side to ranging pre-seasons and all, and, and eventually look at the youth set-up. Like that. That'll all come in time, I think. The first team is the main priority in the short term. Um, and, and nine the, and ten in a row. Uh, yeah, and recruitment and getting a team that can, can get back to Champions League. That's that's yeah. a big test for him. Um, but we also, at the same time as that, Celtic's business model is built on getting players, build them up, sell them for a big fees. What he's got as well as he's got through his contact network in England is the ability to to punt these guys because you need to take them to a market as well. Um, and so you also know the gems, maybe guys that were maybe under the radar or not maybe academy stars and Celtic well he's done that already picked up guys from, from Arsenal and, and Man City and the uh, mm. uh, lad from Bolton as well We guys that might come on so we guys I mean, like, <laughs> young players I mean <laughs> um, <laughs> Eastern and Glasgow committee we guys uh, might come on and be big players eventually so that that you know, in the background then there's a big players that are kind of Elianusis and all these guys that come out of the first team um, so it's, it's working two sides at one time I think the jury's still out on him in terms of he came in the summer late in the day the business was done listen it was done too late These, if the Celtic the squad they had got now before the first Clues game in the qualifiers I think they got through that tie they didn't therefore they didn't mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so he, I think he's off to a positive start so far um, but now I think the jury's out until January is a, is a huge window for Celtic mm-hmm. Um, because you think it will be a busy window? I don't think it, it's it's busy. It needs to be busy in terms of bringing players in. But I think it needs to be busy in laying the foundations for the guys that do come in. Because you've got to remember, um, Bauer, Forster, Elianusi are all loans. Um, so there's there's gaps in the squad that need filled permanently the, the following summer. Um, Celtic got an option to buy with Bauer. Do you think that's something they'll take up? It depends how he does. He's looked okay and didn't look particularly great the last time round. Uh, was it a Levy game? Yeah. Uh, it looked a wee bit, a wee bit off. Um, but listen, he's, he's on the door. He's, what about Foster? Foster, yeah, but listen, he's on a long contract and he's earning the kind of money that you don't dream about, by the way. I mean, phenomenal money. <coughs> Depends on him. If, if I mean, I think he would, he would be quite, if he's given the option to go and 
get a four-year deal at Celtic on half the money. I think he would. I think the kind of guy he is. I think he might even go for that. I don't, listen, I don't know. I can't. I'm not. not can't claim that he's head. Um, but he's he's earned good money and he's on a good contract. So that's a maybe. Um, Elliot in the same boat. Sixty million pounds signing for Southampton on a hefty wedge. <coughs> excuse me. It depends how he does. I mean, I want to keep him. Um, he showed flashes so far. Excuse me. Um, He's a hard worker, isn't he? More than, I know for a sixteen million winger, you want more. Yeah, than yeah. Graft, but often wingers can be a bit flighty in games. They drift in and out. He's, yeah, he's got yeah. a bit of dig, hasn't he? Yeah, he looks mad keen to get to get him in pretty compression. Um, maybe a bit too much sometimes. I think he ran himself on the ground a few times. Many mid games. But he, need, he does need half a dozen games to get up to speed. Uh, I still think he's not there yet, but he showed in flashes that he's got a bit about him. Um, but these are holes that need to be filled, and I think Celtic have been guilty over the years of of, of not forward plan enough. I mean, how many years did they get to the the, the qualifiers, Champions League, not get a centre half last this year, no right backs and all that stuff. And that and takes it, you back to Rodgers' oh, first season. I think it's back a, even way before that. Abu Kuasi, uh, yeah. who's been a absolute smash hit. Um, saying that in jest obviously but when Kuasi arrived in January 2017 Rodgers stressed the importance of getting these guys ready for Champions League was, but it's never Here every year Here every but year. it's not happened has it that's yeah. it. that must be vital importance for it's Hammond. difficult but that's what I think Nick Hammond has to be doing in January laying the foundations to get players that are ready to come in June so they're there day one of pre-season to give Celtic the best chance for some reason Celtic hamstring, hamstring by themselves not doing that um, I, I wasn't convinced with the kind of recruitment side of things. I mean, listen, it's hard to count up Celtic's nine trophies out of nine. Um, you, you can't dismiss that. But you can also cannot avoid the fact that the recruitment was a bit wayward. I mean, 20, 25 plus players, how many actually improved the team? Because um, you look at the guys who were who built that nine, nine trophies in a row, the Tierneys, the Browns, the McGregors. Before that, Stuart Armstrong, Dembele, who was indoor already. Uh, Edward was a different one came in he's one of the ones that was a success but uh, too many players that came in weren't Sinclair's another success albeit tailed off in the last 18 months but um, the strike rate isn't wasn't good enough to keep the team keep him improving um, so that has to improve so so Hammond I think he's I think he's starting at a pretty low level expectation because the, pre- the predecessor was I think not that great not great at it um, the targets they went for were unrealistic at times they couldn't get the deals over the line because they were because of the money situation there's a whole lot of problems but we've done it we've mentioned a million times the problems of recruitment um, just to go back you were you made a point there about Peter Law maybe taking a step back and a guy like Hammond is there maybe a perception that someone like Lee Conjurton who was Brendan Rodgers guy maybe wasn't the man to take on that kind of mantle at Celtic because would that be fair to say yeah I would think so. well he's, he, he, say, he say title was different as well so he was head of recruitment that, that was his whole his sole kind of um, remit um, but Unfortunately, because he's not in that, that role that Hammond's now got, who may who may be more hands on in terms of the contractual matters and dealing with with, with Lowell directly, as mm-hmm. a kind of um, as a kind of head, 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 director of football type role. Therefore, you won't might not get that situation of of the eight and a half million pound fullback who wants seventy five grand a week, mm-hmm. getting turned up to try and get talks and getting laughed at the building. You may not get to that situation because the guy who's in that role. To negotiate it and also help them to get, set up the networks to get these targets. We'll know what these guys, the parameter these guys working under. So, um, you think there was a disconnect under? Oh, without a doubt, it was weird. I mean, Celtic went for players that were they couldn't afford in terms of wages, or they went for guys who were 
I think maybe below the standard required and paid over the odds. I mean, guys, like, no disrespect to him, the guy's a Jack Henry paying 1.5 million, give him a, a decent wedge. Didn't need to do that. Weird waste of money. Um, that, and that, that happened quite a lot. I think guys, that they paid a lot of money for guys that um, I didn't think were maybe up to scratch. I think, th- listen, I think Brendan Rodgers felt he could improve any player. I think his evidence showed that he can. I think the guys, you know, the, the improvement in guys like McGregor and, and so on, Forrest and all that was exponential. I mean, phenomenal development made under Rodgers. But they can't do it all the time. I think, so I think they couldn't get that market right. They couldn't get, it was either too, too much to, to shooting for the stars and missing or going for low-grade projects that maybe weren't really quite right for them either. So they need to, Hammond's got to find that middle ground um, where it's players that can come into the first team and do a job straight away and also look for the, the wee nuggets, the development ones that can eventually come up and do the, the business. But see, the signs are positive so far. Mm-hmm. Um, like Afalabi and all that stuff, these are guys that could be down the line important players and the ones they've got now Guys like El Hamid have come into the team straight away and looked like he's been there for years. But bowling goalie, well, I th- still think it's a bit of a roller coaster ride. But he might come, he might become a, um, a, a really good player in the future. So the signs are optimistic. But I think January is going to be the, the real testing ground. And I don't just mean in the ones that turn up with a bit of pen and paper picture in the boardroom, because it's the proof we put in the following summer. And touching that was an interesting point you make about setting. Had to at some point, exactly. Didn't it? Uh, Celtic set themselves up for success. If and when Edward, the, the money or the offer's too good for Edward, and he, he, he moves on for Celtic, January would be a time to maybe. Well, this is what I mean. This, this is what I mean. Dembele, Dembele messed last summer. I can't actually believe that that, that seemed to be a surprise to Celtic. That did that him going was a surprise. Do you think that was another sign of the Rodgers? Boardroom struggles where it was. Do you think there was a feeling maybe Rogers was flexing his muscles, trying to get uh, unrealistic deals over the line, and was, that was to was, the detriment? There, there was politics in, involved at that stage. Uh, yeah, definitely. But they also there should have been. I mean, head of recruitment should have had two guys lined up right away to hit the button on, or three or four or five, a list of, of alternative guys they could bring in at the drop of a hat if Dembele went because he was always going to go. Uh, some point, um, hang it, try to cheer him to the little radiator until the window shuts. Isn't going to work. So when he went, they should out straight away and had someone lined up. We didn't. It left them short. Um, so I think that that was a lesson that should have been learned. I mean, it ha- it's not a great example, but it, in, in previous years there always been guys that keep, they knew they could get, knew they could afford in terms of transfer fee, knew they could get in terms of wages, and they would, they would, they would give a manager two or three options and say pick one. Sometimes they accidentally get two, like when they got Gadetti and, and Skepovic in the same night. <laughs> that wasn't part of the plan. Press the button twice. Uh, I think that was a mistake. That was a breakdown. Uh, and they ended up with two, then they wanted one. An expensive mistake. But um, but the lack of options, I think, was, was a bit of an alarm. They need, they need to have those half a dozen guys that they believe can be ready-made replacements lined up for the eventuality next summer that that, that, that happens with um, Eduard. Because it would be a dereliction of duty not to have that insurance policy, because it's it's there, it's it's real. I think football clubs, unfortunately, football moves so quickly that you can't you can't prepare for every eventuality. But that's one that's not exactly going to be a surprise. Do you know what I mean it's signposted as it was with Dembele for eighteen months? 
the, the, the warning signs are there. You need to heed them and need to have some sort of contingency plan in place. So that's, that's again, goes back to the January thing. The, the, that's when he has to do his work and get these contingency plans like in, in place for for the, for the reality of that happening. And just one final thing, the recruitment. When Neil Lennon was appointed full-time successor to Brendan Rodgers in the summer, after coming in, guiding the hoops to the Premiership title, winning the Scottish Cup, Peter Lowe stressed the fact that one of Lennon's kind of signature selling points is the fact he's got a great eye for a player. Yeah. Lennon, I take it with a strong relationship, will he still have a big say in terms oh, of... Oh, without, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. yeah. But he can't, he can't go out and see 100 games a season. He's got a job to do. Um, and likewise in the past, he, he, he relied on the, the scouting network and he, and he, he trusts, but he gets the final say on these guys. And he will do it, no doubt he will do it in the future, but he works well with Hammond. Um, but I think I think that's one of Neil Lennon's great, great skills is he, he knows that see that two or three million pound player market I think he knows that really well he knows guys that can he knows where they fit in I don't think the previous regime really quite knew a three million pound player like Kawasi three million pound a lot of money for Celtic for a development player who unfortunately for various reasons hasn't really developed um, whereas Lennon spends 1.6 on El Hamid Straight in the team, does a job, no nonsense, does a job. I mean, I think he's actually he's a great example with me. Nothing flashy, just a guy, a solid right back that can do the job. Um, and he's been a, a great buy, I think. I think he looks the part. Um, so he knows that. He knows. I think Lennon's good at that. I think he knows the level that they can get for his money. Um, so I don't think you'll get them spending over the odds on guys that that maybe aren't really worth it. Um, but they will push the boat out if they think Christopher Julian seven million quid, a lot of money. But he's all right. He was nervous at Livingston, apparently. <laughs> um, what did you think of those comments? I, I do laugh. I must admit, not, not really. What you want to be hearing for yourself? I, I made a, I made a wee point <coughs> on me. the last podcast <coughs> that it's it's not really the Celtic way, so to speak. That this is a guy who really does love his life in social media, but he's not one of the players who's got the back catalogue of trophies to go with it. So there's no. a lot of so maybe the, the thing that Celtic fans have maybe pointed at some Rangers players like they pass this kind of social media kind of analogy after games It's he, he needs to be careful doesn't he as well he needs Aye. a fine balance to strike isn't he listen you don't want to you don't want to be hearing the centre-halves a bit nervous at, at um, the Tony Macaroni um, and playing against the London Dykes and co um, but listen the big man's been honest but I don't know why I don't know what made him nervous um, <laughs> we do awesome in translation. Uh, maybe, maybe a wee bit, but it's not. It's not quite. There's a lot more games that are going to be. I mean, they're looking at cup semi-finals and potentially finals in European games. If um, if that gets you jangling, if a Tony Macaroni gets you jangling, that's a bit of a concern. But I think I think that was maybe slightly wrongly worded um, from the big fella. Um, so I don't know if it's just maybe not the most advisable. But uh, but he's been decent actually. He has been to me like, a bit of, a bit of shocker that game in fairness. That was like a welcome to Scottish football type game from. I don't think he liked it. Um, he has been a few European performances, but he's, in the main, I think he's he's looked pretty decent. Um, I actually think he's a good backs to the wall type defender. I think if you keep him busy, I think he's actually better. I think he's better the busier he is. Um, um, whereas certain games, hitting the break, or long balls, not maybe maybe not quite. Maybe he has to adjust his kind of his style a wee bit. But no, I think he's been all right. I think he's been a good. Um, nerves, nerves aside. <laughs> he's been pretty decent and that takes us on nice at the summer signings with a wee piece 
on the website talking about Celtic signings. It's, it's, not, it's not really been a player you can. They've all all the players that come in so far. They've made an impact. There's still a few like Elliot Nussi. He's starting to just flash his potential. Yeah. Bauer as well. Bauer seems to be the attacking option at right back. Uh, Bongoli, Julian, they've all got their merits. But I think the one that I think stands out for a lot of people, and you've touched upon him, there's uh, El Hamid. Now this is Celtic signing a 28 year old with one cap for Israel. It didn't exactly elicit mass kind of excitement. No, for the fan was, base. there wasn't crowds at Parkhead. Welcome in the door. But he's, he's a really, style, but he's a really good player, isn't he? He's one of the punters right quick. I think he has. He's, he's he just looks like a guy who wants to get stuck in and um, loves a tackle and all that stuff. And he, yeah, I think he's looked apart. Um, I don't think he's a world beater by any stretch, but I think um, I think I think I think Michael Lustig was kind of one of these kind of under undervalued kind of players over the years. But last season he was showing signs of. Of the kind of um, the kind of bolts falling off and the springs popping out and all that stuff. I think he was starting to go a bit, um, and it showed. So I think getting this guy in, he just looks like a big, solid, reliable right back. Uh, I don't. He's not going to be a kind of Kieran Tierney type figure on that side, but I think he does. He does like to get forward right enough. Mm-hmm. But I think he does look the part. Um, and likewise, Bauer. I think we'll wait and see. He's, he's a guy who's rebuilding his career. He was highly regarded at certain points in his career. Um, he's got um, a fantastic nineties haircut. I think I had one of you had phenomenal kicking about um, in the mid nineties. Is it Point Break or something? Is ah, it's, suffered it's, um, is it A one or the boy band? Can look at <laughs> um, but he's looked decent enough. He did say a bad one the last time round, all those all those years ago before the international break started. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben to see if that it gives him a bit of competition there as well. Uh, and we need to see what happens at the other side because Greg Taylor obviously They're still is, in the lines here, mate. Because. Oh, listen. I was going to say the one player we had to couldn't give a mark to because he's not played yet. It's Greg Taylor. Is it? We go to see Greg Taylor after the international break. Yeah, I think. Aye, aye, um, aye. I think. I think he's. I don't think. I don't think the 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 kind of forced wait for a debut is actually a bad thing for him. Um, I think he can be gradually introduced into the team. I think he will be the long term left back maybe. Um, Bolton goalie, I think, has been brought in for big money as well. But he's. I say he's. He can be quite flaky at times still. Um, I think there will be a, I think there will be chances for for Taylor in the next few weeks. Um, I would expect to see him very soon, very soon, but even this weekend. Um, although I think this is a weekend they still need to get back with a bang. Um, so you might not want to, to be trying out too much because they need they can't afford to to slip up this weekend. That's for sure. Um, but I think undoubtedly we'll see him get involved in the next few weeks, and I think he'll I think he'll be all right. Okay, we touched upon a few of the. Academy players, Frimpong's the one who's obviously impressed against Partick Thistle. But there's a host of others that are on the fringes, guys that even like, existing Academy stars, Dembele, Okaflex, who've obviously turned heads at certain points. Yeah. But Jonathan Afalabi's a player who a decent level of experience at Southampton, and he's just looking to make the Is he someone who can force his way in with Griffiths still working his way back? Bio's still not convincing completely is he's something that maybe can earn some game time in the you think weeks. so yeah because I think I think Celtic have to be careful not to pile too much on Edouard's shoulders um, I think it's it needs to be needs to be managed Griffiths is still a bit away needs to needs to kind of work on fitness things as well so he's not quite there yet um, so I can't really rely on Bio I'm still I don't know yeah, uh, he's the kind of guy. You, you, occasionally, you see things. You think this guy's got a bit about him. Then 
for 20 minutes you think oh I'm not sure I think there's a long way to I think he's uh, got a development type pillar as well to be honest with you um, so yeah there's an opportunity there I think at some point listen at some point there's going to be an injury crisis and, and it's going to be chucked on um, and, and we'll see how it gets on because um, it's a long season um, so yeah it's, there's opportunities there I still think he could do another striker in January enough regardless of the, if um, Edward moves on or just Hinton moves on I think you need another striker um, to bolster that that front line, but um, yeah. But if you're that, if you're one of those kids in and around there, you think I'm not here to make up the numbers. Um, so yeah, we turn our attentions to Ross County on Saturday for Celtic, a big game for Neil Lennon. Obviously, trying to get back to winning ways, and they're looking to avoid um, going three games without a win for the first time in seven years and um, Premiership action. Should get back to winning ways shouldn't they, against the Staggies. We should, but. Ross County are a bit of a bogey team for Neil Lennon. I think, um, looking back through the years, to the first spell and all that stuff, Ross County were one of these sides that, that popped up with results against Celtic quite a lot. I think even, I don't got that stats to hand, um, but I think, I think it's like half the games he's played against them, he's dropped points against them. Uh-huh. Um, and I saw the rough side this year again as well. Um, listen, anything less than three points is unthinkable. Um, but now at the stage, Rangers go to Tynecastle on the Sunday, um, not a place that they've historically struggled <laughs> to get points, despite even when Hearts have been a de- decent, decent enough side. Um, so I think they can't bank on any slip ups there. So Celtic cannot afford to be dropping points. They need to come back, and especially after the, the kind of two results before the break, they need to come back with a with a bang, um, get the points on the board, and then sit back and see what happens Sunday. Um, so it's, it's it's a full strength team, and plus they've also got Lazio on the horizon, so it has to be a full strength team get back to, to work and get a result and then get planning for the big one next week. Can I get a prediction from you? I think it will. I think there'll be a, a 3 or 4-0 job. I think Celtic will be, have two weeks to stew on on Livingston. Um, and I think that's um, something they'll try and put right. Um, I think it will be a, a full tooled up team uh, going at it. So, Odson Edward and Colt Monsieur Dublé uh, for the knack for getting doubles. That obviously train, changed to Monsieur Triple. Um, when you get the hat trick against Slovakia, will he be on the score sheet? I'm, not, I'm just trying to work out what accent that was. Uh, I don't know. It's, 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 it's kind of kind of kind of Asian a wee bit actually. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's quite popular actually. Parts <laughs> like of like Oriental there. I don't know. Yeah. What's going on? Um, we'll, keep, we'll keep that in. I've had the bet against him getting a couple this weekend. That's for sure. He's the man, man of the moment, isn't he? And Ryan Christie, obviously James Forrest. There's plenty of guys there that can provide a spark. Oh, you know, there's a chance for him again to kind of take on. The, Decent run that he's been on and adding goals to his game. Aye, I think I think that it should be a comfortable afternoon, ish, uh, and anything else is, is anything apart from three points is pretty much unthinkable for Celtic at this stage. Well, that's all from us this week. We'll be back next week. Don't forget you can subscribe at iTunes or Acast to get the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you like it, please reviews and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.